World's Finest Podcast, Episode 41. As always, I'm Michael David Sims, and with me is James Doe, who has a cold. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> uh, oh, you're well enough to do the show, though. Oh, yeah. And uh, what a show it will be. <laughs> this will be a marathon. Yeah, it will be. Uh, never mind the fact that we have uh, a lot of emails to go through. Oh, not to show my hand, but the episodes we're discussing today, not so good. No. Not so good at all. But hey, remember, there that's all for the listeners' enjoyment when we have to rant, so. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. As I was, like I said, I don't mean to talk about the episodes too early, but as I was watching these, I was like, you know, these are some really bad episodes, like horrendously bad. And I was thinking to myself, there's no way that, that okay, you know how people complain, they don't want us to do static, they don't want us to do Zeta? Yeah, and I'm like, there's no way Static or, or Zeta are any worse than some of these episodes. I'm I'm convinced, even though I haven't seen all of Static and I've barely seen any Zeta, that yep. they're miles better than this one. <laughs> than all of these, I should say. <laughs> uh, I actually did like one of the episodes, but then yeah, we'll get to that, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if there was a single one I liked. I gotta tell you, I mean, it was such a chore to get through these episodes. <laughs> it got to the point where I was like. You know, I can see where this is going, this episode, and I could pretty much stop it. But I'm like, no, maybe it'll pick up, or maybe something funny will happen, or whatever, and I gotta keep watching. But oh, oh, I did not want to. I really have to tell you. (laughs) I have a feeling you're gonna be ranting more in this episode than even I will. I may be. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Since we have a lot of emails, should we just dive right into them? Uh, First, we're gonna jump back into the emails that we had to skip um, from two weeks ago. Uh, first one is from John, who writes, Guys, although my question doesn't have anything to do directly with the DCAU, I was, uh, it was something I wanted your take on. Given the basis of Batman Beyond, I was wondering, who do you think should or would take over for Bruce if he were to ever retire? Without getting into it, I pretty m- I'm pretty much against Bruce ever retiring. I know he has to age and all that, and if I had to pick it, it would be Dick Grayson, hands down. But I just don't know if I could ever get used to someone else permanently behind the mask other than Bruce. Also, thank you, thank you, thank you for your podcast. Previous to, uh, previously to finding out about you guys, I had season one of Batman. Now I have all of BTAS, seasons one and two of Justice League, and I'll be keeping up with you guys throughout Batman Beyond. Thank you, John. Yes. Um, why don't you go first in answering his uh, question about who should take over as Batman in the actual DC universe? I am torn on this. Uh, either I could go with either Tim Drake or... Uh, Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they each have their own merits. I think uh, Grayson would be better for just because he's. I think he's a darker character, and uh, it fits the, you know, fits the theme of Batman, of course. But Tim is such an awesome. He's so brilliant. He he could pick up the detective slack. He may even be a better detective than Batman. We don't know. So, I, either one really. I could. I wouldn't really shun either one of them. 
for me, I'll say that it makes sense that it should be Dick Grayson. You know, he was the first Robin. It's it's almost like he was being trained and raised to be Batman once Bruce could no longer do it, be it because he retired or he got injured or he died or whatever. But then circumstances dictated that Dick just didn't, you know, that wasn't the, the course his life took and he became his own man as Nightwing. So to have him step back into that role, to end up taking on the mantle, it wouldn't be forward progression of Dick's character. So, you know, even though it may seem right, in some aspects it seems wrong in others. Um, so for me, it really comes down to Tim Drake. Um, and the reason that works for me really is because that seems the way they're going with the character. Um, when he first became Robin, he really never had that dark origin, that motivating factor. He was just Robin because it was fun. He figured out the secret, and he was like, well, I can do this too, so Batman let him do it. Um, and then over the years, they started giving Robin or Tim some more tragic elements. You know, they killed his dad. They killed his best friends in impulse and Superboy. Um, he thought his girlfriend, Stephanie slash spoiler slash Robin four, uh, was dead. And, you know, they were really leading him down this dark path. And I really think at the end of Batman RIP, what you're going to see is a brand new person behind that mask and it will be a young Batman. It will be Tim Drake. And what I'd really like to see them do, I've said this um, elsewhere on Earth2.net and Earth2.net podcast, is that, and maybe, maybe even on this show, too, I don't know. I want to see them make Tim Batman and Stephanie slash spoiler slash the former Robin, Robin again. So we can have a romantic Batman and Robin that isn't the, oh my God, they're gay Batman and Robin. You know, um, that's that's the way I could totally see them going. Um, if they don't go that way, I'll be a little sad, but we'll see what they do. We'll see. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anybody else besides those two? Because those are the two easy answers, you know, Dick and Tim. Um, Jason Todd, maybe? Jason Todd's another one that could do it, but I don't see that lasting. I could actually see them going long-term with Dick or Tim, with Jason, you're going to get another uh, Jean-Paul Valley, someone who's a little too violent, uh, isn't quite right for the role, and Bruce has to come back and fight for his former mantle. Um, but yeah, he could do it. Um, let's see, is there anybody else, though? I mean, I suppose Damien, Bruce's son, but he's too young. Um... Yes, yeah, so off the top of my head, I, I hate to stick with the, the tried and true answers, but that's really it right there, I think. I think we could go in time and bring back Terry McGinnis. Um, that would be interesting if DC did somehow bring Terry from the future and drop him into the here and now, you know? Because <laughs> they can make a great mystery out of it. All of a sudden, there's a new Batman, and it's not Bruce, and it's not Tim or Jason or Dick. And nobody knows who it is. And that Bruce, if he's still alive after R.I.P., he doesn't even know who it is. And when the mask comes off at the end of, I don't know, the second, first, second, third, or tenth storyline, oh my God, it's Terry McGinnis and the fanboys cheer. You know, that know I would thing to do. Yeah, it'd be neat. I'd love to see him brought into continuity. I think they used him in one Superman Batman alternate reality story. Yeah, they um, did. But he's never been officially in continuity. But yeah, it'd be cool if they could find a way to do it. Sure. 
Hey, next email is from Jonathan who writes, Mike and James, I just last week discovered your podcast while looking for more things Batman-related. I'm a regular podcast listener on various topics from Lost to NPR. But let me tell you that your show has shot right up to being my favorite. I've been excitingly catching up on all of the earlier episodes, currently just finished number 15, and I have never been disappointed in your thorough and insightful recap and critique of each and every BTAS episode. Thank you for taking the time to show such love for something that I, too, so deeply enjoy. You're very welcome. Yes, thank you. Now some questions. I do apologize in advance if I'm asking anything that does get answered or discussed by you in a later episode, but I like, I, like I said, I'm catching up. Have, uh, having just heard your review of the episode A Bullet for Bullock, of which you both professed a great deal of love for, and having heard you both reference Gotham Central in that and past episodes, my personal favorite non-Batman-centric series ever, do you think that an animated or live-action version of Gotham Central could work? This, could, uh, this would probably be perfect for HBO-style series uh, to make instead of either a Hush or Long Halloween-themed one, in my opinion. In fact, since none of the main cops that are well-established in the Batman mythos uh, have even shown up in the Nolan film series, with the exception of Gordon, of course, this could be the perfect way to introduce them to a new audience. I mean, think about it. Gordon has just become the new commissioner and now may fully understand just how corrupt the GCPD is with Wurtz and Ramirez, both having been under Maroney's control, even though he'd vouched for them. He would bring in a whole new set of detectives into his uh, major crimes unit, and this is how they can introduce Bullock, Montoya, Crispus Allen, and others into the Nolanverse. With less censorship, a series like this could really find the perfect uh, perfect balance between cop dramas like Homicide or The Wire and the more traditional comic book elements. Plus, since Batman has only ever appeared in the fringes and rarely ever spoke in the GC series, it could be in continuity with the films without ever having to recast any of the major parts of the films. I mean, how often is, com- is the commissioner in the squad room in TV cop shows? This has always been a gripe I've had when the comics depict Gordon acting more like a detective than the actual head of the police. I don't know if the crew from BTAS would even be interested in a show like this, but I know that I sure would. Well, um, uh, you I think you've uh, talked about this before, Mike. I, I might have. Um, I don't quite remember, but yeah, I could totally see a S.H.I.E.L.D.-like Gotham Central live-action television show. And they could start it off with Gordon's retirement party, so we understand why he's not there, because he wasn't commissioner during the the run of Gotham Central, the comic book. Um, I forget who was commissioner at the time, but it wasn't Gordon. Um, So we started off with that, so we know, okay, okay, this is a, a new guard, a new type of police force in Gotham City. Um, And if they did it real gritty and kind of that jittery camera thing that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s going on. And every now and then you mentioned the Bat or one of the villains in the background, just so we understood where it was supposed to be set. That would be so awesome. I think that would just rock television, uh, comic book television to its core, because people could see you didn't need the melodramatic, you know, Smallville-type show to get a a, a comic book property on TV. I think we need more mature comic book properties on TV and Gotham central really could lead the way in my opinion. All right. Uh, considering the email are either of you reading Paul Dini's run on detective comics. He struck that perfect balance between the action and detective elements within the Batman world. Even with the nonsense going on in Grant Morrison's run on Batman, RIP has not been my cup of tea. Thank you. I'm glad someone else fucking sides with me. Jesus Christ. I hate RIP so much. (laughs) Dini has kept my interest even when tying into Morrison's storyline. Um, I I read de- the uh, trade paperback Detective, which had the the Riddler and Batman quote unquote teaming up. Uh, I I enjoyed that. I thought it was fantastic. I can't remember which issues it covers, but yeah, I loved it. So I I really would like to pick up some more of those. But 
money is really tight on my end right now, so I can't. I haven't been able to pick up many comic books lately, unfortunately. And I have not actually read any of R.I.P. Don't. Amazing as that sounds. Don't save your brain, please. Oh, save your my, eyes too. The art in that is ass. My brain oh. has long since been like dissolved away from all the <laughs> horrible movies and things that I watch. <laughs> um, as for the question, have I read any of Dini's uh, detective work? I've read a little. Um, I read one of the trade paperbacks. I cannot remember the title of it. Um, what were the stories in there? Um, I think there was a story where Bruce and Tim were in the in one of Bruce's buildings and some bomber was going through. That was one of the stories in there. Um, I've read a few stray issues, such as the one where Tim uh, winds up a hostage of the Joker. Um, and, you know, I, I think Deanie's doing some decent work. Um, but it's not a book that I would pick up monthly. Um, for those of you that don't know, I pick up very few comic books monthly, actually. Um, I do prefer reading comics and trade paperback form nowadays. Amen. Um, yeah, I mean, it, they save you money, and you've got a, if not a complete story, at least a collection of stories. You know, and you don't have to, whatever, whatever. I'm not going to go on my trades are better than monthly books soapbox. I've done that enough in the past. Um, but yeah, as much as I've liked what uh, Dini has done over in Detective, it hasn't compelled me enough to pick up every trade that has come out. But if I saw one on the shelf or if I was placing an order through, you know, like in stock trades or something like that, I might throw one in there. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Next one is from Kellen, who writes, Hello again. So in my attempt to watch through the entire DCAU and you guys as a companion, and using you guys as a companion piece, I have come to the end of BTAS. Now, I know from the one email I sent you a couple months back that we don't exactly see see eye to eye on what is a great episode and what is pure crap. As I said, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be up to that point, and I was referencing Batman, not WFP, as you seem to think. Yeah, sure you were. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Anyhow, I've gotten to the end, and I've come to realize that it is a pretty damn good show. When I sit back and compare BTAS to Spider-Man the Animated Series, which I preferred back in the day, I realize all the ways that Batman was superior, better voice acting, animation, music, and not to mention the dark tone of the show. Though I still prefer the story in Spider-Man, uh, it, and it is quite shocking to see how dark it was considering it's intended audience and time slot. The only show I can even put in that same bracket was Gargoyles, which I'm guessing took a few cues from Batman. For the record, my fave episodes were generally the more lighthearted fare, such as Harley and Ivy, Harley's Holiday, Almost Got Him, etc. And I was less behind a lot of the episodes you considered epic, such as Demon's Quest and Heart of Ice, not living up to the standard you set for it. Though I loved Two-Face, and I thought it was a great case of storytelling. However, Mask of the Phantasm was by far the best part of the series, in my opinion, and I think it was damn near a crime, personally, that I didn't see it until I started going through the DCAU now. The intro CGI animation was crazy good, especially considering it was in 1993. For a comparison, Reboot, the first ever CGI cartoon, didn't debut until fall 1994, and didn't have the level of or uh, level quality of BTAS intro, uh, granted the intro was 90 seconds, and the first season of Reboot was 13 23-minute episodes. (laughs) If I can jump onto the train of people giving out requests on what you should review in a couple years when the DCAU is finished, assuming you move on to something else, I'd suggest either Gargoyles, a show, as I mentioned, is probably darker than Batman, which is really shocking since it was on the Disney afternoon, 
Or my second option would be Avatar The Last Airbender, which outside the Teen Titans and the two Justice League cartoons is far and away the best North American animated program of the last decade. Those suggestions are, of course, if I don't get to them first. <laughs> Anyhow, keep up the great work, and I can't wait to catch up and watch Batman Beyond, which I didn't see enough of when it first came out. Anything with Will, Fre- uh, Will Friedel is worth watching. Yes, that includes Kim Possible. Um, I actually, and this is something I've been thinking about for quite some time, I would love to do a South Park podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like this one, where we cover every episode. Um, but... I don't know when I'd be able to tackle that, um, or if uh, who would be able to co-host it with me. Would it be you, Mike, or somebody else? It doesn't you know? That's just it's just a pie in the sky idea for now. But that is something I would love to do somewhere down the road. Okay, next one is from Austin, who writes. And so it begins again, not with a bang, but with a screen of smoke overtaking the airwaves as the vocal tones of Michael David Sims and James Doe the Fourth say as we <laughs> cross another threshold for the last time. Teen Titans is in continuity. Batman Beyond marks the end of Bruce Wayne's journey as the Cape Crusader and the world's greatest detective and starts the journey of Terry McGinnis and his slow but steady rise to the mantle of the Bat. Whenever the world thinks of Batman, they will always think of Bruce Wayne, so Terry has a lot to live up to, not just in the eyes of Bruce, but in the eyes of the millions and millions of Batman fans who know of Bruce and as Batman and would rather forget about the Asriel days. <laughs> Bruce Wayne was born and bred to be Batman from the age of eight uh, and to be the world's greatest superhero. Terry, a 16- to 17-year-old smart, uh, street-smart kid, is no Bruce Wayne yet. Also in, also in Batman Beyond, you find out the greatest mystery of all time that not even the Riddler can solve. How long can Bruce Wayne hold a grudge? <laughs> Somewhere along the way, uh, you may cross paths uh, uh, that we may, be, we may disagree on, such as the final episode of Batman Beyond being crap, uh, the introduction of Max to give Terry someone his own age to play off of, and adding nothing to the show but giving us less uh, Kevin Conroy time. Others maybe we can all agree on, uh, the boring villain friend of Terry's being called Big Time, to the all-around awesomeness of Mad Stan. But we are all on this journey together. Some of us may agree on your views on Batman Beyond, uh, a show that many feel was created because the execs wanted a teenage Batman, and this was the uh, Bruce Timm and crew giving them the middle finger with this extremely dark teenage Batman show. <laughs> Some do agree, perhaps. Uh, some feel the show strays too far from BTAS, perhaps, but it's all eligible for debate. The only thing that can be guaranteed is that you will have at least one loyal listener throughout this time, and although I may not agree with what you say sometimes, I will always respect your ability to back up your points. I will always respect your thoughts on WFP. Well, until you get to Static Shock and the Zeta Project, at which point hate-filled emails will be fair game. Thanks again, Austin. <laughs> well, like we said, uh, we foreshadowed earlier. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Next one is from Dave, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, just a couple of things about your review of Batman Beyond. Number one, in Rebirth, I noticed two things you forgot. The name of the club Terry went to was called Club 54. Um, and I also loved it when Terry called a Scooby at the end of part one. Also- okay, wait, wait. Let, let, me, let me jump in there. Okay, during the actual recording, James did bring that up. But for some reason, I don't remember why, there might have been some uh, problems with the audio, um, I had to edit it out. So James did actually mention Terry calling a Scooby. So, All right. Uh, also, the new suit, it is said uh, that it has synaptic controls, and this suggests a small link to the brain allowing him to learn how to use the suit quicker. Prototype flashback. 
Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> Good point, but uh, please don't yeah. let me remember that episode. Number two, in Blackout, uh, who you called Meltdown is actually named Blight, which yeah, we, of course, sorry. find out. Um, and he still has flesh, uh, but maybe there's more radiation in the iron and calcium in his bones, and that's why it glows and his flesh doesn't. And the reason for the Batmobile when the suit flies is because the suit can't hold that much fuel uh, in its short, controlled flights. Also, Ink is still screaming even after being frozen. <laughs> Anyways, keep up the awesome work. Next email is from Eric, who writes, Mike, your response to the Graysons was great. I feel the same, and and the CW just doesn't seem to want to try to get WB to give permission to use Bruce and Batman. That post about Grayson still being an adult and his parents aren't dead is hilarious. <laughs> another great, And we have another great example of Superman Returns as shit. But I actually enjoy the trial of the Incredible Hulk. It isn't as good as the Incredible Hulk Returns, but it is, be- it is better than Death of the Incredible Hulk. John Reese davies was a good kingpin, although not as good as Michael Clark Duncan. And if the Daredevil spinoff happened, it might have been okay. Are you guys going to discuss at any point Marvel, uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe? I'm not sure if I will. Um, as far as MK versus DC, I am definitely going to give that a rent because... I've actually kind of, sort of, gotten a little excited for it. <laughs> so, I know, I'm almost ashamed to say that, considering how a lot of us felt about it in the beginning. <laughs> but, I have to say, I've been looking at the trailers and everything, and it looks pretty damn cool. Oh, uh, it isn't out yet? I thought it was out already. It, it comes out uh, next Tuesday, actually. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, so I will give that a rent, and I'll post my thoughts about it on the forums. If not, and if I feel so inclined, I'll write a review of it. <laughs> Um, I don't own any of the current-gen video game systems. Well, I have the Wii, I guess. But I, is it coming out on the Wii? I don't even know. Uh, I know it'll be on the Xbox and Xbox 360, and I'm sure the PlayStation 3. Yes, definitely 360 um, and PS3, but I don't know if... I think it is coming out on the Wii. Somebody correct okay. me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is. Well, even if it does, I won't get it. I don't play Mortal Kombat games. I've never really liked them. Um, I think only one of them mildly impressed me a couple of years ago. I don't remember which one it was at this point. Um, but yeah, they've just never been my thing. And I just don't see the point of putting DC characters, especially characters that don't kill, in a game that's all about fatalities. If they would have chosen, like, all villains, like Black Adam and Joker and Gorilla Grodd, that, just, just the DC villains versus Mortal Kombat, that would have been cool. But Batman and Superman, no, no thank you. I'll pass. Yeah, what they're doing is they're actually, all the, the DC villains and the Mortal Kombat characters will have the, the fatalities, mm-hmm. and then the DC heroes will have quote-unquote brutalities, which don't kill, they just not beat the fuck out of them. Hmm. But, uh... I've seen the Joker's fatalities, and they're actually pretty fucking cool. I will admit those those look funny. The one with the with the bang gun, the little pop gun, mm-hmm. that one's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Um, back to the oh, email. Huh? I'm sorry. What was the first part of that email? Well, let's get back to that. There was a part I forgot about I the Graysons. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up in case you guys aren't aware. Apparently, the Graysons, the show, has been canceled already. It's like dead in the water. It's not going to happen. So no worries about that. Thankfully, <laughs> that got pulled. Did they just, was there just a bunch of negative feedback from people? Uh, or I, I don't know why they decided not to, to run with it, but for whatever reason, they said, hey, this isn't what we're going to do. Um, there's always rumors that they don't want to have two bat properties at the same time. 
because people will get confused. Like, fuck that. If Do they really think, do the Hollywood execs really think that we are that fucking stupid? You know, it's like one's about Dick Grayson, one's about Bruce Wayne. They're not the same fucking thing, you know. But that that's one of the rumors I've heard, is that they didn't want to confuse the stupid masses. <sighs> but whatever, it's not going to happen, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a Dick Grayson TV show, just not the one they were doing. Yep. On Rebirth, I thought this episode was a great way to usher in the new Batman. To see Bruce Wayne finally giving up the cape and cowl due to him almost shooting someone is sad, but at the same time, a nice ending to that era. The first thing I noticed is that the character of Harry, Terry's father's friend, looks like a character in the uh, NBTAS. I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe you or someone out there knows. He looks like one of the gangster lackeys. I forget where from, though. I think, and I know, I know who you're talking about, Eric, but I can't remember... If he was in Joker's gang, or if he was in one of like uh, uh, Rupert Thorne's gang, I think I want to say it was Rupert Thorne's, Thorne's gang, but I do know who you're talking about. Did you notice Matt looks like a younger Tim Drake? However, uh, Derek Powers slash Blight is one of my least favorite characters. I would have liked to see Rupert Thorne's child or Roland Daggett's child uh, as Terry's enemy. Yeah, but then you get into that whole thing that the producers didn't want to do. And that they didn't want to have Two-Face Beyond and, you know, Riddler Beyond. Then all of a sudden you have Rupert Thorne the Third, you know, and they, they just didn't want to do that. So it would have been cool from a fanboy point of view, but I understand why we didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Mike, if Terry was born in 2023, 20, then it's 2040 when Terry becomes Batman. I believe that the opening of this episode takes place around 2020, being around 17 years after the end of JLU. The DCAU wiki does say that the opening scene does take place 20 years after the new Batman Adventures. Um, Derek Powers is also voiced by Sherman Howard, who played Lex Luthor in Superboy, as well as the Preserver and Steppenwolf in Superman the Animated Series. On Blackout, uh, this is another impressive episode. Like you, uh, like you guys, I didn't see too much of this show growing up, so these episodes are mostly new. But this set of the ep- of episodes this week I have seen. I've noticed that this show's Gotham City tends to mirror Metropolis a little bit. The animation given to Ink is quite good and fun to watch. I like the mention of Lucius Fox and what, hap- uh, what has happened to them in a sense. I love seeing several references uh, here. Got Mr. Freeze's helmet, meaning that they obviously found his head, and the Grey Ghost costume. Uh, it's kind of weird to see Harley Quinn's costume, even after Batgirl says that they never found Harley during the storytelling and return of the Joker. Even though I didn't care for the Blight character, the way he sheds is gruesome. Definitely not for the kids. And oh my god, to see how Ink suffocates Terry was particularly <laughs> a wow moment. Very graphic. Great episode. Uh, on Golem, robot alert. Oh wait, wrong set of episodes. <laughs> One thing I must ask, the Nelson Nash character looks and acts like Kenny, the jock and new kids in town. Do you think they have any connection? And did you guys catch Livewire after the first Golem incident when Nash is trying to apologize for leaving his girl when it struck? We see a girl who looks just like Livewire. There's not much to say about this episode. It's one of the few that I saw when it first aired, and I thought it was just okay. Did not notice Livewire, and I'm thankful for that. While it's on the top of my head, he mentioned uh, Harley's costume there. You can assume that, you know, she went through a couple of costumes during her tenure as the Joker's hench girl. So that's just one of her costumes, not the one that uh, she supposedly perished in. God only knows how many times the Joker uh, caused the costume to be tattered and ripped and whatever. Exactly, and Batman just has one of them. Or he just became super obsessed and he found someone to make the costumes for him. You know, I'm putting a museum together to these villains. Can you sew this costume for me, Barbara? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, 
end on the winning edge. The Jokers are shit. Uh, every episode... The, shit or just shit? Shit. Not yeah, they are. I, I hate the fucking Jokers. They're, they, I hate them. Every time I see them, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, pretty much. They have, Every time we see them, they have their asses handed to them. Well, a much better episode than the previous one, I must say that. Ian Ziering from uh, Beverly Hills 90210 and Larry Drake from Dark Man 1 and 2... Uh, are great in the episode. I have no idea what the fuck uh, the need is for Matt. He's a nuisance and never adds to the story. Uh, this is the first t- uh, episode to give a send-off to one of Batman's uh, rogues gallery. A question I have, if, Chappelle's, if Chappelle knows how badly the Venom affected Bane, then why would he start using it? It's funny to see Bruce Bruce act proper when he whenever he's around Terry's mom. It's so yeah. fake. On Dead Man's Hand, lastly, okay, here we get some teen drama, not something we got too much in the earlier shows, mixed in a uh, Batman story. Well, it doesn't hurt the episode, but it doesn't make it better either. Bruce tells Terry that the Royal Flush Gang has been around since his time, but we didn't get a confrontation until the uh, Justice League episode Wild Cards. What's with the sappy music when Terry and Ten run into each other in the rain? So out of place. <laughs> it's awesome to see Terry stand up against Bruce, but once again we see how much his parents' murder has affected him, even at that age. One night always makes the difference. And, of course, we get a little reference to Selena Kyle, which is nice. And, hey, Mike, Olivia is a hottie, but I actually liked Whitney, Coop, uh, Whitney Cooper more in The Wonder Years, although Olivia is great in DCAU and Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, I, Whitney Cooper is the most overrated crush on television ever. I fucking hate Winnie Cooper so much. I have no uh, opinion because I never watched a single episode of that show. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe she, you know her character was a little too young for me. I mean, I think I was maybe eleven when that show started, nine something like that. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. She just never did it for me. She just was like, she just seemed whiny, and I didn't understand her appeal. You know, I I, I wanted the I wanted the sister. <laughs> We've already covered that anyways. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> next is an email from Adam who writes, Hello there, I love the podcast, and I just want to make, uh, just want to ask one small question. Did you guys know that Darwin Cook did the art direction for Batman Beyond's opening sequence? Thanks a lot, and keep up the great work. I look forward to every other Wednesday for World's Finest, Adam. <laughs> yes, uh, we know, I, I noted that in the, uh, uh, the credits, and I, I saw a lot of his influence in, uh, the later episodes of, Superman and into Batman Beyond. So, hey, more Darwin Cook the better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Cook is an awesome storyteller, um, visually and uh, writing wise too. And uh, so, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I'm just glad he had a role to play in the creation. Oh yes, of Batman absolutely. Beyond. Next one is from Morihiro. Who writes, Hello, MNJ, first time emailer here. I wanted to address the question asked in episode 39 Why does Terry use the Batmobile when his suit is equipped to fly? My rationalization is that it's the same reason why I like to keep my MP3 player as a separate device from my phone. I need my phone to contact people should a situation arise, and it would suck if the thing I use uh, to entertain me while traveling was draining the battery of something so useful. Likewise, with the suit and the Batmobile, I'm sure that the suit doesn't have an endless supply of battery life, so it would suck, especially if he had to extensively search around the city for some villain if his battle suit was just being used up uh, just to get where he was needed, only to show up and have to plug into a wall socket for a half an hour. (laughs) Batman's vehicles have bailed him out of sticky situations as well. I vaguely remember an episode of BTAS where some kids find a very beat-up Batman who I think had his butt handed to him by the Penguin. 
and we'll just forget about that episode. Um, and his Batmobile had medical supplies and a fair amount of ass-kicking capability on its own. <laughs> In the end, would you rather have just a power suit or a power suit and a sweet-ass ride equipped with much faster mobile capability, missiles, and a cup holder? <laughs> Keep up the fine work and expect to hear from you again. Sincerely, Morihiro. Yeah, that that analogy with the, to the to the MP3 player cell phone thing is a good one, I think. So, mm-hmm. okay, you guys win. I understand why there's a Batmobile in the Batman Beyond universe. Yeah, and we got a lot of emails about that too. So. Yeah, we did. Um, next one is from Matt, who writes to my fellow fans of the DC animated universe, Mike and James. About a little over a month ago, I was searching iTunes for some podcasts concerning Batman when I discovered your Earth2.net, the show review uh, with Ian of Tim Burton's Batman. Although this was the film that introduced me to my absolute favorite fictional hero, and I view the film as a classic part in Batman's history, I thoroughly enjoyed your scrutinizing thoughts on the film, especially Mike's furious rants in particular. (laughs) My favorite line from the entire podcast came about when the three of you were discussing Joker's extremely short criminal career and his dispersal (laughs) of the tainted hygiene products specifically to store strictly in Gotham and conveniently not the rest of America or even other countries. Mike exclaimed, fuck this movie, I fucking hate this shit. There are so many goddamn plot holes in it. L-O-L. Oh, yes. (laughs) Good times, good times. (laughs) Yes. Now, on Uh, to... Hang on, hang on. Just for anybody that's wondering what's happened and why we haven't gotten to uh, Batman Returns, it's just scheduling conflicts at this point. But trust me... um, we're doing everything we can to make sure we get those uh, more of those recorded. We are going to be moving forward with that. Please don't think we've abandoned that project. Yeah, it's mostly my fault because no, my... it's all of our faults. We've all got wonky schedules. So. Yeah, it's just it's horrible. Um, now to your wonderful review show the DC, of the DCAU World's Finest Podcast. I must admit, I really enjoy your guys' profanity-filled rants about episodes you cannot stand, like, oh, I don't know, maybe the terrible trio. I couldn't stand that quote-unquote episode either. Anyway, I really appreciate that both uh, that you both address the underlying themes of each episode, such as spousal abuse in Mad Love. And on a related point, in The Dark Knight, the Joker tells Gamble about how his father was a drinker and a fiend, and that he used a kitchen knife to put a smile on his face. The first time I saw this, I immediately thought back to Mad Love when the Joker tells uh, Harleen about how his father favored the grape and beat him up pretty bad. Whether or not Nolan got the inspiration for this episode, I still thought it was pretty cool how these two incarnations of the Joker share that sort of connection. Also, I loved how Batman tells Harley how the Joker has a million of those fake stories. I felt it added to the Joker's preference of multiple choice with regards to his past, a great callback to the killing joke. I usually agree with either one or both of you on your opinions of the episodes. However, I can't say I really enjoyed Beware the Creeper, but I did like when Joker quote-unquote kills Jack Ryder several times, (laughs) especially Joker's quote, What determination! Give that man a cigar! (laughs) With regards to your review of Judgment Day, you guys asked that, uh, said that the judge mentioned the revolving door of Arkham, which caused Mike to dislike the episode a little more because of the recycling of lockup. However, it was the slimy district attorney who spoke of the inefficiency of Arkham, not the judge. While I do not refute that the judge was a bit of a repeat of lockup, I felt I should clarify the speaker of the quote. Now, about the Superman episode legacy, I cannot believe neither, uh, that either of you uh, neither one of you mentioned that Soups was banging Lashina. It was obvious to me that when, uh, when she was in the room on Apocalypse, when he awoke from his visions of his past life, and she asked something to the effect of the dream again, which obviously implies that they maintain a more intimate relationship. No, I could swear I mentioned something. 
I because at one point, doesn't she actually call him lover? Like once he's turned back into Superman? I mean, he might, but I really don't think either one of us mentioned that. Uh, really? Yeah. I, how, how I think he's right. How did one of us not mention that? Come on. I need I need someone to go back and listen to that episode to, to see if we mentioned something or not. Because I could swear, maybe I just wrote it in my notes and it was one of those things that I never got to. I mean, that happens all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I oh, maybe we didn't say anything. I don't know. But yeah, if someone has the time, please go back and listen to it and write in and let us know if something was said or not. Yep. Oh, here we go. Also, when Superman returns to fight Darkseid, Lashina refers to Superman as lover. Can't get oh, any clearer than that. <laughs> Congratulations on reaching Batman Beyond. Now I can shed some light on questions you guys had about the episodes. Uh, first off, Derek Powers' evil moniker is Blight, of course, as you guys uh, guessed at before. Not a problem, though, as I understand that you guys are not as familiar with Batman Beyond as you are with BTAS, Superman, and Joth- uh, Gotham Knights. I'm not either. Anyway... I hate to be the bearer of bad news, guys, but Willie Watt does return in the episode Revenant. He returns as a beefed-up asshole, losing any sympathy that he may have obtained in Gollum. (laughs) In your review of The Winning Edge, you guys could not recall when Batman overloaded Bane with the Venom to defeat him. Actually, uh, Batman does this in his first fight with, uh, with Bane during the episode Bane. He accomplishes this by stabbing Bane's Venom dispenser with a batarang, which fills Bane... Uh, with an excess of venom making his red lenses pop out and his eyes bulge out. One last thing I would like to say about Batman Beyond. What I love most about Batman Beyond are the references and callbacks to Batman's past, such as the Jokers, the villain trophies in the Batcave, the Grey Ghost costume, Mr. Freeze's ice gun, and that Selena Kyle reference. Also, when I watched this, uh, I was when I was younger. I always I was always waiting for Bruce to take up the mantle of Batman once more, and he does against Ink to save Terry in the later episode. Which actually We're gonna get to that one today. Mm-hmm. All right, time to get off my soapbox. You guys are doing a magnificent job. Keep up the great work, and thanks, thank you, Mike, for creating my forum account. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let me say what that's in reference to. Currently, I have registration shut down at the Earth2.net forums because um, there was we were just getting a ton of spam accounts. It wasn't just us; it was all of uh, any any forum that was hosted by whatever our forum company is. I think it's a uh, envision um there was just this massive amount of spam that was hitting all those boards so i shut registration down um so you yourselves can't register but if you do want to join the forums all you have to do is send me an email um to the earth2.net email address or the one for this show and uh, just give me the handle you want and uh the password you want to use and i can create the account for you so that that way you can join. I can still do it manually. And hopefully in the very near future I will um reinstate um uh, uh what do you call it? registration for you guys so you can do it without my help. But for the time being I just have to have it shut down cuz I'm tired of deleting spam accounts. Oh yeah. Um, next one is from Aaron, who writes, Thanks to Netflix and iTunes, I've been catching up with the DCAU. About Joker's favor, if he was going to kill Charlie anyway, why the heck did Harley bother giving him the gas mask to keep him mobile during the gassing scene? I know Joker is a bit one-track, but you'd think he'd have thought of that. Then he'd have gotten away with it, and Charlie wouldn't be able to signal Batman. And secondly, I saw a touch of Curare the other day from Batman Beyond, and the conversation between uh, Barbara and Terry unnerved me a little. Was she suggesting that they had gotten married at one point, meaning Bruce and Barbara? I know they're both adults, but that's kind of creepy. I hope uh, that if that were the case, that Daddy Gordon didn't mind too much. (laughs) Well, we got into a big discussion of that in our last episode, so... 
Okay. Oh, in regards to the first question, you you know, you could just chalk it up to the Joker being the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't want Charlie to get gassed, but he wanted him to blow up. Um, maybe there's that part of him in the back of his brain that wants to fail, that wants Batman to catch him. So he knew by giving Charlie the gas mask that would allow him the potential to escape and then therefore signal Batman. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, you could also chalk it up to a plot hole. So... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, it's there. All right. And now from for this week's emails. First one today was from David, who writes, Hi, guys. Just thought I'd chime in again uh, now that you're into the period of the DCAU I really fell in love with, or possibly the period that I finally caught up with. After losing track of the show in Gotham Knights period uh, and the Superman period, suddenly the Batman Beyond series was upon us, and through the wonder of, quote-unquote, other means, I managed to check it out. Initially pretty unsure of, about the whole new Batman concept and somewhat wary of the future versions of Heroes storylines, I was really, really happy, uh, happily surprised to find out that Batman Beyond was actually very awesome. I love that this wasn't a young punk who just kind of took over the name or a weak, crappy Bruce Wayne, uh, but set in a future story. This was a continuation of the old series. It really excited me. I remember eagerly hunting down the Mr. Freeze episode as he was probably my favorite Batman animated villain, and I was kind of hooked onto it. But then, as the series went on, I I got more and more hooked. This was something new and very different. And now you guys are doing the reviews, and I'm so happy to finally be able to watch along with you all and make my own judgments. It's like a game. Do I agree with Mike or James, or are they both wrong? (laughs) I like how both of us can't be right. It's it's either one of us is right, or we're both wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how about that? The first set you looked at seemed about right. Winning Edge was okay, but I was saddened to see Bane thrown out so unceremoniously. Oh well, I realized I had uh, the the ink episode in there and never and had never watched it. The Grey Ghost bit at the end is magnificent. That kind of hat tipping is what keeps me loving the DCAU. Anyway, I'll leave it. I'll leave it there and look forward to the next podcast. Can't wait to hear more about these shows. And one of these days, I'll tell you the ideas I had for uh, for where I wish the show had been brave enough to go. Let's just say Nightfall. All right. Next one is from TJ, who writes. Hi, guys. I'll try and keep my email short because I know you're pressed for time. My question is about how, uh, how did Powers weasel his way into, into Wayne Enterprises? I know Bruce slash Batman was very upset that he had to pull a gun on the crook, and I understand why he gave up the mantle of Batman, but surely he must have known that he could he still could have done good as Bruce. But anyways, I'm glad that you two have started Batman Beyond because I've only seen about 10 episodes plus Return of the Joker. P.S. I love the interactions between uh, Barbara and Bruce, but do we ever see Dick Grayson or hear what happened to him, TJ? I don't think so. No, we really don't ever find out what happened to uh, to Dick Grayson, unfortunately. Um, as... I really want to know why they made that decision. Yeah, they just kind of wrote I mean, him off. I mean, I know his relationship was with Bruce was strained, but... At the same time, at the end of Gotham Knights, we saw that they were trying to fix things. You know, I mean, are we supposed to assume that after the events of Return of the Joker, that Dick was like, dude, this is fucked up and I'm never talking to you again? Or or what? It really gets under my skin that we just don't get any more Grayson. Whoa, see what I almost did there? <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. We're, we're getting better at that. <laughs> yes. Um... And uh, what was the first thing he said about Derek, right? How did he weasel his way into power? Yeah. Um, you know, you could maybe say that after Bruce had to pull the gun on the thug that he just became so distraught, not just as Batman, but as Bruce Wayne and 
you know, so in regards to everything in his life, that being the, the being Batman and running his companies, he just gave up and he just wasn't paying attention when someone like Powers was able to just swoop in and turn his company into everything uh, uh, he personally hates. I, that's, I think, they, I don't know if they ever give us an origin of how Powers came to be, but I, I think with the little clues we're given, you can pretty much assume what I just said is accurate. Yeah, we'll just go with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next one was from Chris, who writes, Hey guys, I really enjoyed the last two episodes. I initially couldn't believe that DC was going to make a show with, the con- with a concept this stupid. Some teenager is Batman? Boy, was I wrong. I put most of my thoughts at the forum, plug, plug, but mm-hmm. did want to make a couple points in response to the first WFP Batman Beyond episode. We already answered about the, the Batmobile, so we'll just leave that there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I also, especially after your Heroes review, wanted to comment on Gollum. Specifically, Mike commented on Terry saving Nelson by swinging on a grapple. There were a lot of Spider-Man allusions in that episode. Nelson is clear, uh, clearly Flash Thompson. Blade is Liz Allen. Willie Watts is Peter Parker. For that matter, Terry's origin and rebirth would resonate at least as much with Peter Parker as with Bruce Wayne, unless Parker made a deal with Mephisto to remove Uncle Ben's death from continuity or something since I last checked. <laughs> That said, Terry's save of Nelson was uh, was an homage to the cover of Amazing Fantasy number 15. It makes sense, too, that Bruce would have put the grapple in the Batsuit. He's used to it, and it's a backup for the wings. The problem remains, there's no reason Terry would use it. I think that they just got ca- so carried away with the Spidey reference that they decided just to put it in and not try to justify it in-universe. Can't wait to hear more. Chris. You know, I, I will note that I've been picking up a lot of Spider-Man references throughout... Um, especially the origin that that's right there. You know, that, that is uh, very similar to Peter Parker's origin. Um, but I just, I just can't buy the grapple thing being an, an homage to Spider-Man. If only because he uses it all the time. He's got those freaking boots. He's got the glider wings, but he's, he's using this grapple. I, I just don't get it. I, I, if he had only used it that one time in that one episode, then sure, it's a Spider-Man reference. But because he's continued to use it, I don't know. I think it's that they just forget that he has the boots. And finally up today is from Officer Christopher Greer, who, Greer, excuse me, who wrote us earlier. Um, hey, guys. Sorry it took a while to get back to you. To answer your questions, I do wear the GL ring in uniform. The only other officer who has noticed is one of my sergeants who thought it was cool. But he's a guy who for 15 years has now worn a Superman S under his uniform. Cops are superstitious. I've never said the oath where anyone can hear me. I've been known to, when riding alone and heading to a call where violence is expected, mutter it to myself. Once again, we're superstitious. And for an on-topic question, in Batman Beyond we saw Terry go up against... Mr. Freeze, Joker, the Royal Flush Gang, and Raish slash Talia al Ghul. Are there any other classic Bat Rogues who you would have wanted to see Terry hit against? I would have, I think before Ink came along, I would have said Clayface. Yeah, because uh, he conceivably could have found a way to survive forever. Mm-hmm. But who else? Anybody else you could think of? I would have loved to seen uh, Deathstroke somehow make his way in there, but, but because... But, I mean, because he comes into Teen Titans, it's not really necessary. But I just thought that might have been cool, even though he wasn't really, you know, he was never in Batman. Yeah. I think it would have been a neat little thing for him to show up. But that's just the fanboy me, because I'm such a Deathstroke fan. I really can't think of anybody else, truthfully, because, like, most of them are, like, you know, Riddler and Hatter and guys that would have died years and years ago. Yeah, and I, I'm with the producers. I didn't want to see so and so beyond and that guy beyond. You know, um, 
I wouldn't have minded seeing an old Selena popping up, not as a villain, just there. Um, but other villains, yeah, I really don't know. I'm content with what we had, really, in terms of, in terms of who came back and how they came back. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other classic DC villains, non-Batman villains that they could have brought in. Um, and just pretended like they'd never existed before. Like you said, Deathstroke, you know, mm-hmm. like they could have, you know, kind of brought him in. Then it wouldn't, it wouldn't jive with Teen Titans, but uh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know that was a, another pie in the sky kind of thing there. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't, off the top of my head, no, maybe, maybe in the next, by the next episode, I'll have a uh, thought of some more. Still at it, huh? She can huff and puff all she wants, but she ain't gonna blow this place down. I know why she hasn't tried yet. I ran some tests on her residue. The human part of her DNA's been damaged, probably by being frozen. So? Back at the cryogenics place, weren't you wondering why Ink didn't morph into her human form and just walk out of there with the other workers? Uh, yeah. Kind of. Right. The reason she didn't do it is because she couldn't. She can't go back to her human form. And if I were her, I'd be looking for a good doctor right now. You think? Yeah. There can't be too many doctors or labs that do that kind of work around here. Let's get on the computer and make a list of... Oh. First up today is the episode Disappearing Ink. And as you can pretty much guess, this is the return of Ink. The episode opens up in this cryogenics building, and inside there they have the... This ice cage holding the body of ink inside it. Well, uh, the guy overseeing the room, his name is Aaron, uh, is quite obsessed with ink and basically uses her as a unwilling open ear to vent all of his life problems to her. And uh, his boss then fires him after seeing a tape of his ranting and uh, raving at ink because basically he's just obsessed with her. Um, <clears throat> in the back cave, Bruce shows off this exosuit to terry which he claims he stopped using because it strained his heart and they then get the alarm signal that uh ink has escaped thanks to aaron cutting off the power to her cell and bruce hands terry the freeze gun just you know just in case well terry goes to uh goes to work tries to stop ink but she gets away which scares terry because uh he thinks she knows how to get to the bat cave as evidenced in our the last time we saw her um Elsewhere, Ink uh, actually just resurfaces in Aaron's apartment and plays him into helping her since he's so infatuated with her. And then Bruce later catches Terry welding cracks shut in the Batcave walls, and Bruce scoffs that there's no way she could know how to get back to the Batcave because it was dark the n- that night, the Batmobile-, Batmobile was going too fast, and Terry is a horrible driver. <laughs> Bruce then goes to the microscope uh, while we pan back to Aaron's apartment where he's pathetically trying to flirt with her and she turns. She just turns the TV on, basically, to get to get him off of her. Um, back at the cave, Bruce explains that Ink can't change into her human form anymore because her human DNA was damaged from the cryogenics. And Bruce has already done all the te- detective work and hands Terry a note showing where she has to be going to get herself healed. Uh, Aaron and Ink then break into a, the laboratory where she needs the chemicals to heal. And Aaron reveals that he, for his reward that he was supposed to get, he wants her powers, uh, you know, powers just like her. Batman then shows up, and Ink absolutely kicks his ass all over the place. You know, 
but he's eventually able to use an electrified batarang to subdue her. But Aaron then blindsides Batman with some kind of equipment, and they take Batman away to this old arena where Ink uses the comlink equipment in Batman's cowl to demand that whoever Batman's accomplices come to the pl- uh, to the arena or Batman will die. Uh, Aaron then demands his reward again, and Ink finally obliges. Bruce arrives incognito and uh, sees Aaron, who now looks more like a rejected creature from Toe Jam and Earl than anything resembling a human, and just walks along his merry old way. He then continues and finds Ink in the shape of Batman, and he activates the exosuit and begins uh, battling Ink and putting up a pretty good fight, but uh, Ink eventually gets the upper hand, and then Aaron the Blob attacks her and uh, because she only gave him half the treatment and his body has just been reduced to a blob form thing, and this allows Terry to get free and break open the roof of the place, allowing the torrential rainfall to come in and douse ink and defeat her. And that's really about it, except for the last scene, which was really just thrown in there for weirdness's sake. I gotta say, this is the episode I actually liked among all these five episodes. I'm not trying to be confrontational or anything. I'm asking, honestly, what was it about this one that you were digging? Um, really, this, I think, ink is more dangerous than any villain uh, Terry will face until he gets to the Joker. She she really, she just kicks his ass just hardcore. And there was, there was and I liked during the fight, uh, Ink kicks Batman's face through that vat. I liked that. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the thing I really liked about this episode, and I'm not entirely sure if this was intentional or not, I'm, I'm leaning towards that it was, um, Ink asks um, if the quote-unquote old man is Terry's or is Batman's father or grandfather or something, and I have to think that this is the first foreshadowing of them revealing that Bruce is actually Terry's biological father. I think that's accidental foreshadowing. I don't think they knew that far ahead of time what they were going to be doing. What you know, what the big reveal was going to be. Uh, when we got to, uh, what was it called? Epilogue mm-hmm. in JLU. I know. I, I really think that's a happy coincidence where they're like, hey, we're glad we wrote that line in five or ten years ago or whatever it was. <laughs> I know, I know. But the whole thing with, it's really just boils down to me with uh, Terry's hair color. Neither one of his parents have black hair, so how did he get black hair? Well, you know what? I chalk that up to look at... Like, a lot of the DC heroes, look at Superman, look at Batman, look at even Wonder Woman, they all have black hair. So, and Dick Grayson does, Tim Drake does, Jason Todd does. So, if you're going to create the next generation of Batman, he too should have black hair. You never know, maybe they were going to reveal that in Batman Beyond, but because the show was kind of abruptly canceled, they never got to. Mm-hmm. And they just did it yeah. later. <laughs> so, okay. never know. Just, Just throwing it out there. I did like the dialogue between Bruce and Terry early in the episode where Terry is, you know, prodding Bruce about wanting to know more about the man who is Batman and he he wants to know why he stopped being Batman. I liked that whole dialogue there. Um but of course I have many problems with this episode. Uh not the least of which is right from the very beginning of uh Ink's onslaught on the city what? That cop didn't notice that Ink was attached to his back, even though none of the other GCPD officers are wearing black trench coats or yeah. capes or anything like that. And neither, and none of the GCPD colleagues noticed that he had this black thing on. Yeah, it's like, okay, if I'm running, even if I'm in you know, a panic, I'm going to remember that I didn't put a coat on. 
So when I look at myself and all of a sudden I have a long black trench coat on, I'm going to go, hey, where did I get this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's ink. Oh, my God. No, no. It, it should have been pretty obvious what was going on there. It was so stupid. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, yeah. I mean, the cops. I, I think they had the cops react correctly. I mean, you see Batman jumping a police officer. You're going to shoot at the guy, you know. But at the same time, they all should have been like, "Why is that guy wearing a black coat when none of us are?" Hmm. hmm. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the cop that was wearing ink, um, first he's black, then he's white, then he's black again in three different camera angles. They? You mean they changed his race? Yeah. Really? No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna. Have to I went back. back. I went yeah. back and looked at it just to be sure because I, I, I just it was just out of the corner of my eye. I was like, what? What? And then I, I rewound it. I was like, yep, he was black. <laughs> then he became white. Then he became black. Wow, that is whoa. That's a huge blunder. What, what else about this one? Since you're on a roll here, Bruce really owns in this episode. I think just. Really, the, the detective work just furthering his badassery, and he has some great dialogue, like I said earlier. And then he has to, he has to, quote unquote, put on the suit again and uh, do battle. And it was kind of neat because you know the fanboys wanted to see Bruce do battle again at some point, and you know he he had his little one minute moment there. Um, but yeah, uh, really, I don't know if I have any other overly overly positive notes or anything it's out there there's some you know animation flaws and some yeah well i've already mentioned i've already mentioned what two like the biggest one yeah (laughs) Yeah. but um i yeah you know i'm just kind of stumbling here what about you i know you're gonna go on a rant so by all means yeah i mean from start to finish i hated this episode for one i thought it was too early to bring ink back i thought you know, when they first introduced her, I thought she was a great concept. We got a female clay face, basically. Um, she could, you know, I mean, she couldn't look like anything like clay in terms of people like Clayface could, but she could look like anything in the room, a table, a cart, someone's coat, as we saw here. I, you know, it lent, it lent itself to new possibilities, new ways of, uh, telling stories of, of what this villain could and could not do. But, but, save her. Don't bring her back almost right away. And if you are going to bring her back, make sure you have your best animators working on her. The animation on Ink in this episode was so weak compared to the animation that they demonstrated with her in her first appearance. And it wasn't just on her. The animation in this entire episode I thought was terrible. Um, I know this is going to sound weird because this was a cartoon from the mid-90s, but in truth, Batman Beyond so far has been really top-notch animation-wise, besides a few stumbles here and there, you know? And this episode and the next one, too, I really felt like they must have had a different crew working on it or something because it just felt like kind of your average, subpar, you know, Saturday morning, mid-90s cartoon. Um, another thing that really cheesed me was just Ink in general. The first time we saw her, you know, she came off as kind of this cool, neat, you know, corporate saboteur. And now she's become the really cliched, I'm sexy and sultry and you'll do what I say now type of female character. Was she like that in her first appearance? I don't remember it. No, not at all. 
I mean, by nature of her power, she is going to be sleek and sexy when you see her in her human form. But here, I mean, she was going overboard in terms of what she was actually saying. Like, I'll give you your reward. And then, as you said, all of a sudden, she's just like, click, and they're watching TV. And he's sitting there like, oh, woe is me. It's oh, just terrible. Absolutely terrible. And, okay, I understand that Ink is this, you know, mutated person lady thing. So she may have some understanding of what has happened to her, but that doesn't make her a chemist. She's a thief. As I said, a corporate saboteur. That doesn't mean she knows what chemicals she has to steal and mix to make herself better. You know, if I were diabetic, I wouldn't know how to make insulin. You know, so how does she all of a sudden know how to make this substance that's going to help fix her DNA. That makes no sense. None at all. I think one thing that held this episode down even further was just the character of Aaron. The guy mm-hmm. was just annoying as all hell. And it saddened me that such a great actor voiced him in William H. Macy. No, was that Macy? Yeah. Oh, man. But one other thing I did like about this episode was the music, especially when Bruce uh, walks into the arena and finds the blob Aaron it, it was like it was like something out of Silent Hill uh, with the, that really brutally haunting music behind it and and then when Bruce activates the exosuit we get the, the BTAS theme yeah I mean it's slightly reprised you know it's mm-hmm. not quite the BTAS theme but it's there yeah so yeah I mean I have to give props for the music it was really good in this episode and for the most part I think in Batman Beyond so far the music has just been stellar so we'll get into some music talk shortly. Mm-hmm. I wasn't pleased with some of the music uh, in some of the episodes we're going to cover today, but to date it's been good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, and I will say, you know, I'm, I, though I'm not a fan of this episode, there were little things I liked, like you said, uh, the BTS theme being used to a certain extent. I like seeing Bruce in action again, but on the other hand, I'm not crazy about it because it kind of overshadows Terry at the same time. But it was still neat. Um, I also thought it was neat that when Bruce entered the arena, he was pretty much dressed like the shadow with the red scarf over his face mm-hmm. and the hat. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else I liked about this one. Um, I thought I had more when I started talking, and I'm looking at my notes, and I don't think I do. Well, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's actually a pun in this episode that I could I could actually laugh at. Poor deluded fool. That just made me cringe. I'm sorry. I liked it. It just made me cringe bad. <laughs> I liked it. I'm sorry because it was. I thought it was sort of clever. Oh, I, I thought of something else that I liked. I'm sorry. I, I found it in my notes. Um, do you remember that time when Clayface uh, pulled Batman into his body, mm-hmm. and then Batman used the grappling gun to explode Two Face's head, and he like yeah. flying out of it? Oh yeah. Terry does this a similar thing to Ink in here. Where she pulls him into her body, and I don't remember exact. I think he just blasted out using his rocket boots, right? Yeah. But it was. I, I'm sure they had to be intentionally drawing a parallel there. I don't think that was a coincidence. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was neat. Um. But really, this this episode is just so flawed. We have another instance of a villain having the hero completely tied up, absolutely beaten. But leaves the mask on. Yep. 
never even tries to take it off. She's sitting there threatening to find the cave, to find out who the old man is, but never bothers to try to figure out who the kid under the mask is. Maybe it might help you in your search for the old man? Yeah, you'd think. Um, and, and again, if she's supposed to be this corporate saboteur, even if she takes the mask off and doesn't know who Terry is, because really, why would she know who Terry is? He's just an everyday kid, right? Mm-hmm. She could at least take photographs of him and use them to blackmail whoever is on the other side of the comm link. You know what I'm saying? That's her business. Blackmail, sabotage, all that stuff. But here, they have her being a common thief and just a, a thug chemist. Um, I also didn't understand the logic of the chemical she was stealing. And this goes back to the whole, uh, what was it, Moon of the Wolf syndrome? Where, I think it was the episode Moon of the Wolf, where, okay, if she takes the pink stuff, she's able to become human. But if she gives the pink stuff to whatever her little lackey's name was, he becomes a blob, silly putty guy creature thing. I, I didn't understand that, how she takes the stuff and she goes one way, and he takes the stuff and he goes another. Huh? Yeah. Huh? But speaking of uh, Blob Guy, was was he trying to have sex with Ink in the arena there when he's like, attacks her as the Blob? Because, I, you know, I don't know how amorphous, amorphous Blobs fuck each other, so <laughs> just when they were all tangled up there, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, it came into my mind, but that's, this should be as a shock to none of you. <laughs> There might have been a little something going on. I don't know. Um, you know he was trying to get in with her the whole episode, so. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm thrown for a loop. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? We heard there was trouble. If we stick to proper channels of procurement, how long will the materials last? Two weeks, maybe less. You're burning through the skin too fast. And if I may, Mr. Powers, it's not just the radiation. Your temper is out of control. I know, Doctor! I know. I'm tired of this. I can't maintain the charade any longer. It's time I made new arrangements. Okay, our next episode is entitled Ascension. In this one, uh, Derek Powers um, is caught leading a theft of uh, chemicals, right? That's that's what he's doing in the beginning? He's try- yeah, he's trying to get a polymer to cut cover. Right, yeah. that's right. And instead of just having goons do it, he's actually out there leading it as Blight. Batman gets involved, and he's still trying to figure out what the connection between Blight and and Powers is. Um, it's then revealed that Powers can no longer uh, really wear that fake skin, maybe for like an hour or two, and then it just starts flaking off. And, you know, it's, he's just generating more and more energy, and that's not helped by the fact that, you know, his, his temper is also rising. So maybe because he's getting angrier and angrier, that's the reason he's generating more and more energy there. So it's this bad cycle. He can't calm down, and because he can't calm down, it's making it worse. You see what I'm saying there? So what he does is he calls on his uh, estranged son to come back to Gotham City and to uh, run 
uh, Wayne Powers. And he tells his son, you know, at first you are just going to be a puppet. I'll still be running things behind the scenes, but I need to take a leave of absence, really, because I just can't be seen in public like this freaking menace guy that I am. Um, but he tells his son, you know, eventually, eventually you will be running the company. And the son's like, well, okay. Well, the son, we should say, his name's Paxton. He doesn't come without his own baggage. He's running a company in, do they say where? It's like South, South America. America. Yeah. yeah. And he's just polluting the fuck out of whatever country he's in. Um, so there's a lot of people protesting him, especially some like farmers and fish, fishermen. That'll come back in a second. Um, so when he gets to Gotham, the protesters are still there. Apparently they flew over or something. And... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Derek is holding a press conference saying, oh, I'm ill, but my son's taking over, blah, 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 blah. And during this press conference, some of these guys who uh, uh, that, are, that are pissed that the seas or whatever down in uh, South America are being polluted, they burst into this board meeting, which has baskets of fish, and they throw them all over the table and they say, you, you're ruining our country. You suck. And uh, Derek starts getting really pissed off that, you know, these guys dare interrupt his meeting. And uh, his his face starts cracking and it's revealed, oh, no, Derek Powers is Blight. And uh, then Batman beats up on Blight and Blight gets away. And uh, Paxton then says, you know, he gets in touch with Batman later on somehow. And he's like, oh, with a bat signal. He pulls out, he makes his own bat signal. And he gets a hold of uh, Terry and he's like, hey, you know. Can you help me catch my dad? We have this machine that can siphon off his radiation, and then maybe we can try to uh, heal him. Terry agrees to it, not realizing that Paxton wants to kill not only his father, but also Batman. And it turns out one of these so-called fishermen uh, that burst into the board meeting um, was actually in his employ. It was all a ruse. And at the end of the day, uh, they, you know, Batman finds where Blight is. He's hiding out in a nuclear submarine, and Paxton reveals himself to be a douchebag just like his father. And uh, a fight ensues, the sub sinks, and Blight is dead. Or is he? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, man, this episode sucked. This was just as bad as the Disappearing Ink episode. My God. Yeah. <sighs> what, do you, what do you have to say about this one? <laughs> See, I, I, don't, I think that my pissed offness of this episode is probably not the same as your pissed offness with this episode. And by that, Why? I don't know. And I just get that from your tone here. But the reason I hate this episode so much is because one, Derek powers never comes back in the entire. Oh, of, really? Yeah, this, this was it. That was it. He never okay, because comes back. Let me jump in here. Just the other day I watched just for the hell of it. I watched return of the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was up in the morning and I said, let me just throw this thing in. And in there, Bruce mentions that Powers has disappeared or whatever, and they need to bring in a new CEO, and there's that guy who ends up being in cahoots with the Jokers and blah, 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 right? So I assumed that Powers lasted much longer in the series, and sometime between the end of Batman Beyond and Return of the Joker, he had, uh, what do you call it, he had been dethroned Mm -hmm. or whatever. I didn't realize it happened this soon. Yeah, that's... I just I don't understand. It, it, this season just went by so quickly. It, it, they they could have had a really good uh, villain in, in Blight, and then he's just gone. And one of in hmm. a horrible episode. Yeah. It, it, and 
really, this episode is supposed to be important to the Batman Beyond mythos uh, and storyline overall storyline because you know we have Paxton Powers taking over, uh, forcibly taking over the the Wayne Powers chair, and yeah, it's like. I think this pretty much is Batman Beyond's off balance, but it's not even as good as off balance. <laughs> um, so Paxton sticks around then? I yeah, he uh, he comes back several times, I believe. Does he? Because I I mean, this character was completely new to me. I don't think I had ever even heard of Paxton Powers before. Yeah, he comes back several a uh, couple times actually. By all means, continue. <laughs> Oh, I really don't want to talk about this episode, if you want the truth. Um, It was painful to watch, and it's going to be painful to relive here. But I guess I'll do it. I guess I'll do it. When did Blight become a common thug? He's out there leading his thugs in this theft. When the hell did that happen? You know, he might be Blight, but he still powers underneath all that. He knows not to get that close, because he could get caught and exposed. So why is he there at the factory? I don't know. Oh. I kind of figured. I agree with you. I just kind of figured that his his goons hench, slash hench, henchmen were just completely ineffectual. And he was like, oh, I'll just take matters into my own hands. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and another gripe I had is during the board meeting, uh, Bruce Wayne is there, of course. And Paxton, not Paxton, excuse me, Derek's face starts to crack right in front of everybody. And now, granted, everybody's not, you know, they're looking away. They're not looking at Derek. They're looking at these fishermen who have just burst in. But you're telling me, Bruce, the world's greatest detective, even at the ripe old age of 80, right? He didn't turn to look at Derek not once to notice that his face was cracking. Bruce didn't notice that Derek's face was cracking and was exposing this green radiation until everybody noticed. And that's pretty much when he became blight. That uh, Bruce really should have turned... They just had something where Bruce turned and looked at him and we saw an eyebrow raise like, what the hell is going on? Yep. You know, but no, no, never happens. He's distracted like everybody else. And that's not Bruce Wayne. That is not Bruce Wayne in the slightest. He might be 80, but he's still on the ball. Yeah. Um, when did Blight learn to fly? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we actually see him do it in this episode, but he does jump out a window. Yeah. So we have to surmise that he can fly. Um, and was that a new voice for Blight? He sounded different. He did sound different. Um, I mean, there were times where he sounded like the original guy, and there were other times where it sounded so different. Well, it was when he was Blight that he sounded different, it, like mm. really different. It was still Sherman Howard, but yeah, you're right. Something was just off with his voice, especially yeah. as Blight. I, I really thought they had two different guys doing it, or they had someone that was imitating the original voice actor and then just forgot to imitate him halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all my griping, though, all my griping aside, I do have to give credit to one of my new favorite lines in the entire DCAU. Mm-hmm. And that's the scene where Terry's on the sub and he's, our Batman, I should say, is on the sub and he's uh, hiding from Blight. You know, he's just trying to freak Blight out, trying to get the upper hand mentally. And Blight's like, who are you? And Batman says, you really want to know? And Blight's like, yes! And Terry's like, you killed my father. And Blight just says, do you have the slightest idea how little that narrows it down? Like, that was hardcore. I'm like, that is a great answer Uh for, for Blight to have given. Because it shows you that, yes, Terry's dad wasn't the first dad that this guy's had killed. Nope. 
Yeah, and it just shows you how cold he was, and it, it gave so much potential to this character, so it kills me that you're telling me that that was it for him. Yeah. I mean, though I think this episode sucked and I wished it didn't happen, you know, the fact of the matter is it did happen, so, you know, but they could have taken that element right there and rolled with it and just kept going. Yeah, I did. Uh, I like Terry's line after he said the narrows it down line, because Terry just says, too bad, that's the only information you're getting. Yeah, yeah, that was good too. It was just I just wanted to end with with Blight's line there though. Um, what else do you want to say about this one? What are some of uh, your notes? I truthfully I don't have all that many, but it <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one you, I just sit back and just face palm the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I did like that Bruce was forced to reluctantly call him Batman in front of everybody because <laughs> you could just tell he did not want to do that. Yeah, because let me see if I can remember what happens. Bruce is sort of knocked down. And then, Terry helps him up, and he's like, are you okay? And Bruce is like, yes, Batman. Yeah, <laughs> he was struggling. I'm Batman. Yeah. Damn it, not you, but i got to call you Batman. <laughs> yeah. It would have been funnier if he would have been like Batman Jr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I did, you know, I liked the ending in and of itself. Uh, the ending where Batman, uh, you know, Terry pulls the Superman confronting his new arch nemesis and telling him how it's going to be. And I liked his little twist on it. Oh, I wasn't talking about me when he talks about uh, you making a, a really oh, yeah. bad new enemy. I liked that, but then you just think about it, Blight doesn't come back, so it just ruins it. And again, that just, it just pisses me off. But we have to do the uh, get out now alert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I know there, there's so many variations on it, but it all boils down to that alert yes. right there. McGinnis, get out. McGinnis, duck. McGinnis, just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have any more notes. It's just the, the animation in this episode was horrible. Um, yeah. Really, until the the boardroom where it was, I think it was kind of okay, and the, the animation was you know kind of okay in the boardroom. But other than that, it was just an eyesore the whole time. And that's really they, awesome. They tried their best during the boardroom scene. Yeah, I don't know. It was just like something, that, I don't know what it was, that just was like, oh, well, that finally, this animation doesn't completely suck. Yeah. But, and it's like, oh, well, now it's shitty again. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just, I was just desperately trying to find something good in this episode. Who are you? What's going on? That's classified. Government stuff, huh? That's what I figured. You don't know anything. <laughs> I know who jacked your ride. Who? Give me a lift. I want them as bad as you do. No deals. They're jokers. Madmen. No. Kids. You're gonna have to think like they do. Can you? And next up today is the completely forgettable Joyride. In this episode, a bunch of Jokers steal a top-secret military vehicle and go joyriding all over Gotham. And Batman has to stop them before the nuclear reactor inside overloads and destroys half the city. And that's really about it. Um, Everything else that happens in between, except for three moments, is completely inconsequential to everything. The DCAU, Batman Beyond, whatever you want to say. So, What are those three moments? One, uh, the pilot was implying that they shit their pants. Mm-hmm. Um, two, uh, it was the skeleton of the Joker. Uh, which seemed a little weird because that's not where a skeleton should be. Yeah. 
And but we don't know that yet, technically. Right. Um, three. Uh, hey, bats want to race? It was just a callback to Harley Quinn saying the same thing to the original Batman in Harley's Holiday. Oh, okay, okay, forgot about that. Everything else, oh, however. My God, this episode was terrible. Oh my God, yes. The, I mean, the second it started out, where we see the three Jokers on their motorcycles, and we see the experimental spacecraft, and you know, knowing the title going in, I was like, oh my God, I can see what's going to happen, yep. and this is going to suck. A bunch of thugs are going to acquire government property. And it's up to Batman to shut them down. Oh. Just so, oh. Can we just move on? Jesus. Here's what I want to know. If there's this experimental spacecraft flying around Gotham City, why did they only send one vehicle after it to shoot it down? Why didn't they send, like, the entire future Air Force? Or the Air Force beyond, let me say. I mean, why was there only one ship going to fight it? Uh, I, I, or why wasn't? Uh, well, I, why was there? Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I think the woman. I don't even know her name. She was. She was a horrible character. I can't. I could generic scientist lady. Yeah, yeah, I could not stand her at all. Um, mm. she. I think she says that it. It was so top secret that she was. Uh, she and a very small group of people were building it, and that they they weren't supposed to have a nuclear reactor in it, but because her budget was too small, they had to put it in there, and that was its power source, and so she had to go get it on her own, lest her job be in danger. <laughs> but still, the government's going to notice some spacecraft, some some spacecraft that's leaking radiation, I should note, is flying around one of the biggest cities in America. They're going to notice that, and they're going to send ships after it. They're going to notice that one of their top scientists has commandeered another spacecraft to, to go to Gotham and follow this thing. There's just no logic. There's, that, that sky should have just been filled with futuristic uh, jets and whatnot, dealing with those jokers. Batman shouldn't even have been involved in this. This should have just been, they stole the ship, it got shut down, it's over, two minutes in. Yeah. Um, you know, and earlier in this in this program, I had mentioned that uh, I had some gripes with the music and that would be coming up. You know, this episode, I thought the music, especially during the, uh, like the climaxes, you know, like the fight scenes and the chases, mm -hmm. it didn't gel with the rest of the music that we're used to from Batman Beyond. I almost said Gotham Knights for some weird reason. Um, it just didn't feel right to me. I don't know if it was a different composer or what they were doing here. But it just... It, were you picking up on that? Am I crazy? Honestly, I was so just dumbfounded by how incredibly horrible this episode was. I wasn't even paying any <laughs> attention to the music. I wasn't. Which is, <laughs> which is weird because I've made it a point now in these... in, or in There, I almost said it. And yeah. Batman Beyond to pay attention to the music because I like it so much overall. Yeah. But yeah, I just ignored it this time because I'm the whole time I'm just thinking, how the fuck are these people operating this goddamn thing? Yeah. yeah. Just no, there is one of the Joker's even comments like he's like, what you know how to read? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who's barely literate at all is able to operate this top-secret military nuclear vehicle thing? Just no. No, 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 no. Yeah, and before anybody writes in and notes that at first the vehicle was sort of flying erratically, 
I, I don't want to hear it. I, I really don't. Because, yes, I think it did maybe hit, like kind of clip a building or something here and there. But still, he knew how to turn it on. He knew how to power it up and fly and it. Activate the weapons and all this other shit inside. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. Just because I can read and I have a college education doesn't mean I'm going to know how to fly like a, you know, a tiny plane or a 747 or anything. No, you're, you're, it's just not going to work. And as James said, these people probably haven't, didn't make it out of junior high. They barely know how to read, but yet they know how to fly this thing. No, 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 no. It does not work that way. I mean, if they were going to have someone steal it, it should have been someone like, uh, uh, what's his name? Willie from Gollum, mm-hmm. who could control electronic devices, um, did have a head on his shoulders, uh, so, some kind of geeky guy, not the jokers. Because the whole point is, this guy steals it, and he's going to go use it to kill the other gangs. Like, and then, and then at the end, he throws a temper tantrum like a baby, you know, because he, he lost his baba. Yeah. Like, he tells Terry, no, I'd rather have the thing blow up than have you take it away from me, because I, for once, have real power. And then Terry shuts it down, and he's like, no, 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 no. You see how long I'm doing that? That's how long he's doing it in the show. No, 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 no. There's like 30 seconds of him just pounding on the controls, like crying that he's lost his rattle. And we in the business call that wasting time. They were like, oh, shit, we have 30 seconds to fill. Just repeat that that 10-second clip three times. Oh, man. It... And could, could somebody explain to me how a vehicle flying through the air makes a screeching brake noise? <laughs> Did it? Yeah. I didn't notice it. <laughs> right before the Jokers are about to crash headfirst into a building, the, the, the head guy manages to get it to stop, and it makes a screeching brake noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Now, why was that new recruit guy there? I mean, yeah, at the end, he plays some very small role in helping to save the day. But I didn't understand why they, they even bothered to introduce this character. Well, I mean, the, you know, the general idea, of course, was he was a new recruit, and uh, they were going to take him out into the woods and just beat the fuck out of him or something. And or yeah, as an initiation, yeah, an initiation, right? right and but he he was nothing but a plot device. I don't even think they gave us his name. No, I don't think they did. He barely has any lines. It's just. Oh no, the Jokers are doing something bad. Cut to close up on New Guy to show how concerned he is, to remind us of how bad this situation is. And, and like I said, he, you know, he, I think he whacks the head guy, you know, in the back or something and saves Batman's life, which allows Batman to shut down the reactor. But that wasn't needed. Batman could have shot a grapple or a batarang or used his rocket boots to get out. They didn't need some extra character to save Batman. Mm hmm. They absolutely did not. And they didn't need the melodramatic throwing down the rubber nose at the end, storming off thing. <laughs> he doesn't even storm off. He just kind of saunters away. <laughs> That's true, yeah. But it, yeah, he just throws down the nose and it just bounces. You know, I expected to hear the, uh, the, the the theme from Incredible Hulk, Lonely Man or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now he doesn't have a gang to take part in. <laughs> oh my God. Tony? You left me buried. I thought you were dead. No. Didn't want partner. That's not true. There was nothing I could do for you. Nothing. But there was Jackie. I took care of her like she was my own daughter. Isn't that what you would have wanted? You stole her. You want to kill me? Go ahead. I've got a lot to answer for, but for God's sakes, let Jackie go. She stays and you die. Uh, 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 no! 
Next up is Earth Mover. In this one, um, oh geez, what was that guy's name? I completely forgot his name. Did I write it down? I didn't write it down. What was the guy's name? Um, the 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 Bill. Bill. Bill yeah, yeah, Bill. Yeah. Okay. There's this contractor or something by the name of Bill, and he has a uh, uh, a girl he's raising. It's not his daughter. What's her name? I can't remember that. Jackie, yeah, that that he's raising, and of course Terry and uh, Dana, you know, they're friends with her, and they're hanging out at her place. They're doing homework or something, and uh, she she's looking all worried, like you know, she something's bothering her. And Dana and Terry are like, uh, you know, what's wrong? And she's like, I just feel like someone's been following me these last couple of days. So they're all looking out the window, and they see they do see something out in her yard. So Terry just like. Fly, just like jumps out the window. Never mind the fact that he's trying to cover up the fact that he's Batman, and he follows whatever this thing is, and it turns out to be like a dirt monster. I mean, just imagine Clayface if, if he was made out of solid dirt. Um, he chases it uh, through the yard, down a cliff, and into the street. And when it hits the street, it just explodes into you know just piles and piles of dirt. And he takes some of the dirt to Bruce, and he's like, what is this thing? How is this alive? And Bruce is like, I got to tell you, it wasn't alive. This is just dirt. He's like, I believe you saw what you saw, but there's more to this than we know right now. And uh, as the story progresses, uh, more of these dirt monsters try to attack Bill. And uh, what did you say her name was? Jackie? Yes. Yeah, they, they try to attack those two. And it's revealed that uh, Jackie's father, uh, Tony, I think his name was, uh, used to be a partner with Bill. They were going to go in. Uh, what were they doing? Or were they? Was it real estate or something? I, I wasn't even clear what business Some kind they were of in. Factory, but they don't even go into it really. Yeah. Oh, that's it. That's what they were doing. If they were at first, they were yeah, they were trying to build some factory or buy some land or whatever. And they were starting out though by burying toxic waste because they couldn't afford to actually follow regulations the way they were supposed to. So they're they're trying to bury this toxic waste. And uh, uh, Tony he goes down in the shaft uh, because nothing can go wrong when you're burying toxic waste and you're standing right next to it. And one of the barrels uh, gets caught up and it, it topples over, and he just gets covered in this stuff and the shaft collapses on him and really they just leave him for dead i mean this is again toxic waste and he's buried under tons of dirt they think this guy's goner or i should say they think this guy is a goner and uh so uh, supposedly he's dead and like i said bill then raises tony's daughter blah 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 we fast fast forward but it turns out that tony somehow isn't dead this toxic waste mutated him into some sort of mutated dirt guy and uh, he's still down there in the shaft and he wants revenge on bill because he's been driven insane by having lived underground for probably over a decade and he thinks that it wasn't an accident that bill did it on purpose that bill wanted to raise jackie that was kind of creepy um i think that's one of the things he says too is like you wanted to raise her as your own didn't he say that well he's like God, I can't even remember the dialogue, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. But there's, it's, yeah, it's a little odd, because um, that doesn't sit right with me, because it implies something I don't want to think about. Um, and so, you know, he's going after them, and he, like, sinks their house into the into the ground, and he's got them all trapped. And, of course, uh, Terry as Batman gets involved, and he has to stop all the dirt monsters, and Tony, the dirt monster controlling stuck-in-the-wall guy, and uh, try to get... Uh, Bill and Jackie or whatever their name was uh, 
out of there, I guess. Um, I'm sorry. This is just another one that was just, I mean, it was cool and creepy. What happened to Tony? That that first shot of him in the wall. That was, that's the only reason this episode's scoring any points above a one. I got to tell you, because that was just like, wow, I did not expect that. (laughs) But at the same time, it was just another just, slow, dumb, nonsensical episode, in my opinion. Uh, what were you thinking about this one? Yeah, I pretty much felt the same way, and i got to tell you, I've got like four notes for this episode. One of, <laughs> That's about what I got. One of which is just, yeah, her father's just decomposing corpse. Mm-hmm. Wow. God. Yeah, because I mean, he's not even fully connected. I mean, like, his legs weren't connected to, like, his, uh, his hips, mm-hmm. you know, or his pelvis. You could see that they were still there on the rock. But they just weren't connected anymore, and there's the veins of the toxic waste feeding into him. It was such a cool visual. It was very much, uh, like, I think, like a throwback to those old school 1950s kind of horror EC comics. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. But the execution of the story just failed. If, if, they, if the whole story could have been as cool and as creepy as that visual was, this would have been an excellent episode. Mm-hmm. But it, it just did not live up to it. Yeah. All I have to say here is, when the house gets dragged underground, how is Jackie breathing in there? <laughs> well, maybe there's a little pocket of air. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think she would have suffocated within ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the whole thing only took place in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of my big problems with this episode is, why does Bruce have... Why is he so reluctant to believe Terry about the dirt monsters when he's... Oh, I thought he did believe him. Well, he's kind of he's just kind of blowing him off a little bit when he first oh, okay. re- first tells him about it, and I don't remember the dialogue or anything, but it was yeah, it was like why would Bruce ever just you know blow that off? <laughs> he's freaking <Yeah>. Batman. <laughs> I mean, he's fought Clayface. He knows of ink. There's poison ivy. You would think he'd believe him. Maybe that's why I got confused. Maybe I thought he just believed him because you know he should have believed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, um now here's here's a big question I have. There's one point early on where uh Bill, Dana, Terry, Jackie, they're all at the toxic waste dumping site for some weird reason, right? And they start getting attacked by the dirt monsters and Terry goes flying one way. What happened to Dana? Because when when Bill and Jackie get in the car, She's all like, but what about Dana and Terry? And he's like, they got the safety. And then they drive off. I, I, I totally lost track of Dana. What happened Nobody to her? Nobody knows. never see her again. Nobody knows. They never explained it. I mean, did she get thrown? What? I mean, or did they just pan away from her and that was the last we saw? That her was it. The, For all we know, she's <laughs> dead. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't even be bothered to cut back to her, like, in high school, like, the next day, she's okay. She's growing a new hand out of her ass because she landed in toxic waste, but she's okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the toxic waste dumping, I, I did like uh, Bruce's reaction to Terry about not you know, not reading about the toxic waste dumping from 10 years earlier. He's like, well, don't you read the news? I was seven. And he's like, oh, <laughs> well, what did you learn from your friend Jackie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor Bruce. He just doesn't, he really just does not understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, here's a question I have, right? They're all underground. And they see creepy Tony stuck in the wall guy. And there's that, that 
right, there's that little pocket of water, that little reservoir, right? Yeah. And Terry comes up in it in his sub. Now, there's a point where to save Bill, Terry grabs grabs him by the collar and he throws him into that water so that he can sort of swim to the sub and just climb on top of it, right? Yeah. If that soil is that infected, that uh, contaminated, I should say, with toxic waste, doesn't it fit to reason that the water is also contaminated and therefore Terry just killed Bill by throwing him into the water? Yeah. I mean, he should have came up looking like the toxic Avenger. If he had, a, if he had come up with a mop, I would have given this episode a 10. <laughs> That would have been awesome. Look what I found, guys. <laughs> With his eyeball falling out and everything. Yeah. And for no reason, all of a sudden, he's in a ballerina outfit of two. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. I love the Toxic Avenger I know you so do. much. <laughs> it's terrible, but I love it. Um, but yeah, I saw that, and I'm like, Terry, Batman, whatever, just kill that guy. That that water is, is deadly. Yeah, especially because you can see there's green all over it. Yeah, it wasn't just blue water. It was green and brown gunky stuff. Terry might be able to survive it because of his suit. But my God. <laughs> <laughs> he just hurls him into it. They call it splicing, the new high-tech teen rage that has taken Gotham's youth by storm. But outraged parents and lawmakers call the use of genetic animal augmentation a crime against nature. Some say it's a matter of choice. Splicing is like establishing myself as an individual, you know, just like all my friends. At the center of the controversy is the director of the Chimera Institute, Dr. Abel Cuvier. I want to assure everyone that splicing is safe, reversible, and more importantly, utterly beautiful. I was the first test subject, and as you can see, I'm perfectly fine. Perfectly creepy is more like it. Him and that whole splicing fad. This is no simple fad. Something bad will come of this splicing. Something we'll most likely have to clean up. And finally up today, and probably mercifully so, is the episode Splicers. In this one, uh, this genetic researcher guy uh, has developed a way to splice human and animal DNA and, I guess, market it as a fashion statement for teenagers. Like, uh, what's her face? I, I can never remember her name. Chelsea? Is that what her name is? Chelsea. Yeah, she just yeah. shows up at school one day and she's got like these green cat eye eyes now. I don't, I don't know. They've, they they kind of lead you at first to think maybe they're they're contact lenses or something, but no, she's actually had like animal DNA injected into her bloodstream and now she has these cat looking eyes. And yeah, and this Bruce and Terry note shortly thereafter that something something bad's going to come of this. And they're going to have to clean it up. And, of course, it does. The researcher's real plot is to kill Barbara Gordon's husband for uh, trying to shut down his operation. And uh, Batman tries to stop the researcher's pet henchman, with emphasis on the word pet, uh, from from killing Barbara and Sam. But he's he's captured, and the, the researcher actually injects him with some of the formula, which causes him to morph into Man-Bat Part 2 or 3 or... Man-Bat Beyond. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. No so, problem. Yeah, Man-Bat Beyond. And, you know, Batman goes nuts. He, 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 save, he actually manages to save Barbara and Sam, but he's losing his sanity because he's turned into Man-Bat Beyond. And... Then he he flies back to the cave when Bar and Barbara alerts Bruce as to you know that Terry is just losing has lost his mind and is turning and he's he's basically turning into this creature that 
uh, Bruce, you know, comes across in the cave, and he and Ace have to deal with him now, and they they manage to get him back to to his human form. And at this point, Terry goes after the genetic research douchebag with uh, with Ace in tow, and he does manage to defeat the guy with the help of Ace by pulling a, a bane on him, really just jacking him full of the these DNA syringes. Um, like the caretaker guy from uh, The Winning Edge. And Barbara Gordon, at the end of the episode, actually suggests to Terry that he retire from being Batman because there's few rewards, if any, and they're small when you do get them. And Terry says, well, the small rewards are often the best, i.e. Ace actually likes Terry now. So that's it. The stage is yours, Mike. Where do we even start with this one? Okay, first off, this is just an action-oriented tiger tiger. That's what this episode is, and you just can't deny it. I mean, people are getting mutated, some against their will, into these creatures, and where Tiger Tiger, you know, is trying to be, you know, a smart look at that sort of thing, this is all like, no, we're going to have a bull guy and a snake guy and a tigress, and they're going to go against up against Batman, who, guess what, is going to become Man Bat Beyond! Oh, isn't that like inventive no it's not and then there's this ceo who becomes the big blobby thing from akira <laughs> i'm glad you noticed that too <laughs> yeah i mean terry starts injecting him and i'm like uh he's starting to look a little familiar to me you know he was uh, like i think my note about that was he looked like the preserver and tetsuo put together <laughs> yes uh, and, 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 you know, the dialogue in this one is just terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, like, there's one point where Terry says something about, I, I think, they, like, they should fight Man to Freak. Man to Freak, um, Yeah, yeah. And then there's another point where he says, you bring out the beast in me. I think that's what the CEO says. It's like, oh, that's just a brutal pun. Oh, man. Oh, and then, and then their big hideout. The big hideout of these animal people. Okay, if if you listeners out there haven't seen this episode, I want to play a game with you real quick. I want you to try to guess where these animal people are hiding out. I'll give you some clues. When the Joker is looking for a hideout, he'll pick like a playing card factory or a candy factory. When uh, a toy man is hiding out, he'll pick like a toy factory or another toy factory. So what would these animal people choose? It would either be a veterinary's office, veterinary, wait, vet, veterinarian, okay, veterinarian's office. <laughs> thank you, sir. Or a taxidermist. And they choose the taxidermist. Like, oh, seriously, I, I don't understand these villains. They're like, oh, we're animal themed. Let's hide in the most obvious place we can think of. No, if my whole gimmick is that I'm animal themed, I'm not going to hide at a, at a, like a rundown vet's office or a taxidermist. I'm going to find like the toy factory. Because they're not going to look for me there because they're going to think that's where the Joker was hiding out. <laughs> oh, just... And it, okay, when it comes to these idiots that are trying to kill Barbara's husband, right? Right. Do they not watch the news? Because I, I, I think Batman having stopped a master assassin from killing the DA, the husband of the police commissioner, would have made the news... So what makes them think that if an assassin couldn't kill the DA because Batman got involved, that his animal people, who are really just thugs off the street, are going to have any sort of luck in that regard? Well, I agree with you. I mean, look, they're just, like, 
trendy teenagers. What the fuck are they going to do watching the news? They're not going well, to. But not him necess- not them necessarily, but the CEO guy whose name oh, I can't remember. Oh, Cuvier? Yeah. Yeah, Cuvier. He's the guy I'm thinking of. They're just the lackeys. He just points and they go and do the thing. But if he's as smart as he's supposed to be, he's going to be tapped into all the local news feeds. So he knows that someone else has gone after Sam. But... What, he just ignores it and thinks that these thugs off the street that, you know, one of which is a ram or whatever can stop Batman (laughs) from from stopping them? It's just so stupid. It's completely nonsensical. Um, And you mentioned it during the recap. Batman, or I should say Bruce, borders on, on psychic here. At the, where he he's watching the news and they're talking about this whole splicing fad and he's all like you know oh it's it, it's this is a mess that we're gonna have to clean up like what makes him think that this is something that they're gonna have to clean up I know he's been around a long time I know he's seen his fair share of shit gone crazy and he has a good sense about these things but really in the future this is just akin to getting like a nose ring or a tattoo really so what, these guys got tattoos and Bruce all of a sudden knows that he's going to have to stop them because they're going to form a biker gang? Is, is, <laughs> is that how he worked back in the day when he was Batman? So I, I just didn't understand that leap in logic. I just didn't like that line. It was too, look at my psychic powers. <sighs> I'll tell you what, I think my worst or my least favorite line among the many in this mm-hmm. episode was Cuvier's like, look at me, the abilities of the entire animal kingdom are at my command. What can one blind little bat do against that? And Terry goes, the best I can. It's like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. It's like a horrible inspirational video from, like, the <laughs> 1970s or something. And for fuck's sake, they could not pronounce the word chimera at all. Every fucking time they say it, it's like chimera or chimera or something. It, chimera. It's like, no! Fucking pronounce the word correctly. <laughs> that's why I didn't even try to pronounce the name of his company because I I knew I'd mispronounce it like the way they were doing it on the program and I'm like no James is going to get mad (laughs) I'm not even going to try but really that's the least of the complaints in this episode as we've already pretty much rattled off here although I would love to know speaking of you know the ram goon and the snake goon and the tigress gooness um, how the hell did they get out of that building alive they were knocked out last we saw them. That's right, they were, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Terry just, Terry and Ace and the, the big hulking Cuvier Chimera beast thing caused the building to just explode in a massive ball of flames. How the hell did they get out of there? That's true. Because <laughs> we know Cuvier's no, dead, no. obviously. Thank yeah. thank God. <laughs> but yeah, hmm. I don't know. Their, their bodies, unconscious, were thrown out the windows by the concussive force of the blast. Safely into the pavement below. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, maybe what happened was they, the Ram guy got hurled out of there first, but he was super strong, so he landed and lived, and the the others landed on him safely. Yeah. (laughs) Or Snake Uh, Guy landed in the pavement, but he was able to regenerate his limbs because he was a Snake Guy. (laughs) Uh, and I love how in the beginning of the episode, they conveniently set up that this process is irreversible. You know, it's like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Terry's going to get injected. It, I mean, they, they show sewed their, they showed their hand is what I was trying to say. Oh, you mean, com- early you, on. oh, you said irreversible. I was like, what? Oh, sorry. No, complete, yeah, yeah, they, they say, say completely reversible. 
yeah, sorry. And it's like, okay, I know what that means. I know. Terry's going to get injected. He's going to become Man Bat Beyond. Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, for all my bitching about this episode, I did like Ace fighting the Akira creature. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty nasty. Just Ace just like biting it and jumping around and just basically being a, you know. Ace the Wonder Ace. Dog? Yeah, pretty much so. Terry um, does, doesn't Terry even call him the Wonder Dog? Kind of like he an might. homage to the, you know, the Ace the Bat Hound thing? Yeah, he might have at some point. I'm not entirely sure. But, I mean, that was kind of cool. I like that they are actually involving Ace, that he's not just there to serve as background noise, uh, to protect Bruce. You know, he's not just there for the occasional gag. Because this isn't the first time they used him, of course, because we saw him over in, uh, uh, what was it, uh, 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 the sound episode. What was that called? Oh, Shriek. Shriek, yeah, I mean, he was over there. He played a big part there. Here, not only does he fight the monster, they use his... his uh, uh, sniffing out abilities to actually find the hideout. Um, so, I mean, that that was cool, but really, oof, no, 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 no. And speaking of Ace, what color is he? Because sometimes I think, maybe I'm wrong on this, but sometimes I think they they color him as brown, and other times I think they color him as black. I don't... Am I wrong in that? I don't ever remember seeing him brown. I, th- I thought he was always black. I thought I saw hints of brown once or twice. I could be wrong. I mean... That that that's not something I'm holding against this episode. That was just a general question because I I'm sort of confused there. Yeah. Um. One th- what I, else about this? One thing I did like was mm-hmm. when Terry is starting to lose his mind in the DA's office, and Barbara like is so desperate that she walk you know kind of sort of quietly says Terry. Oh yeah. So I I did kind of dig that. Um. Just you know, just in general, I liked it. Now, was that the DA's office, or was that their home? I I thought it was their office, was, but you know, I guess it could have been their home. Because I thought it was their home, but if it's their home, it's not the same home that QRA attacked them in. Right. And now that I think about it, it did sort of look like a smaller sky rise. I don't think it was just like a two- or three-story house. I do think it was a little bigger, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. But I thought it was also set out kind of in the middle of nowhere, not exactly where you would expect a DA's office to be. When I hmm, when I when I throw the episodes into the computer to, to clip out the sounds, you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to look at that. Same thing in Disappearing Ink to see that guy go from black to white to black. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can we move on to our scores? Can we just end this, please? Yes, please. Just stop okay. the pain. I really cannot believe how bad these episodes were. I mean, we were doing so good. With, with Batman Beyond here. I'm going to pull up my little score sheet so far. Um, hang on. I had it open and now I closed it. Where is it? Okay. What was bad? Uh, what's been our worst episode so far? Our worst scored episode so far was Gollum. Gollum. I had to be, one. yeah. And the winning edge got a five from both of us. But pretty much consistently, we've been scoring probably about an average of 6.5, maybe a seven. But that is that average is so going to change, Ooh, i got to tell oh, you. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get to it. Disappearing Ink. What do you give in this one? Uh, like I said, I did kind of like that episode. I'm just going to give it a six. Ooh, dude. Yeah. Hey, okay, that's your opinion. That's cool. That one gets a three from me. Uh, what about Ascension? However, Ascension <laughs> gets a two. Um, I'm going to give that one a three, I think. Yeah, I'll give it a three. That's what I've written down. Joyride. I'm... I, I want to grade this as zero, but I'm going to give it a one just because of the kind of, you know, the Harley's holiday nod and the, 
the Joker skeleton. I get that's really about it. <laughs> Other remember, you're, you have to remember though. It, remember, it, it's it's not the terrible trio. <laughs> Always keep that in the back of your right, head. Right, that, that's our lowest of the low. Exactly. Remember, I regretted Mean Seasons a point five just because of that. Just because. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead. I'm just gonna keep this at a one just for simplicity. Okay. Yeah. I'm, that one also gets a one from me. Earth Mover. God, I'm gonna give that a four just for the corpse. This probably would have got a one from me, but yeah, Tony, the corpse wall stuck in guy, that brought it up a point, so that's getting a two. And Splicers. Getting that one a three. Yeah, I'm also right there with you. A three. Who are you? You really want to know? Yes. You killed my father. Do you have the slightest idea how little that narrows it down? Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes from Batman Beyond, those being Lost Soul, Bloodsport, Hidden Agenda, Once Burned, and Hooked Up. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 